Thank you so much this morning for being a good God, for being a faithful God. Lord, beyond what words can describe, you are. Lord, we thank you this morning for the power of your word. Thank you that this word, this bread of life, you spoke to us. Lord, speaks to us today. It's alive. You were, you are, you are to be, you're coming. Your word is supreme, it's sufficient, it's superior to anything else. And so we lean into that this morning, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, I pray we would not um, entertain the mundane and sit, soak and sour this morning, but that we would be um, resuscitated by your word, that would be, we would be encouraged by your word, Lord, that the power of your word would permeate our hearts. Meet us at the point of our need this morning. Lord, I pray for someone this morning that needs to give their life to you, that needs to to surrender and step from death to life. I pray this morning would be the morning, would be the time when they would surrender it all to you. I pray for that person that came in these doors that's discouraged, that's that's dragging their head. I pray you lift up the head which, which hangs down, that your word would encourage the power of your word would minister to their hearts. I pray for others that are in storms, that are going into storms or coming out of storms. We all have stories. And I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit in the supernatural, powerful way that only you can, that you would take your word and that you would minister to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm Daniel Van Cleve. I'm grateful for the opportunity to stand before you for Pastor Danny um, sharing um, this time with me this morning. He is on vacation, a very much needed, well-deserved vacation, and he'll be back this coming week. So we're excited to see him back in the trenches and humbled this morning to talk to you about Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. Um, you, you, stories are powerful, are they not? We saw some stories just a minute ago, uh, stories that are relational, that, that connect people in unique ways. We all have stories. A story is, is a powerful story, really paints pictures that communicate leaps and bounds over anything else. A powerful story has imagery that, that teaches us, that persuades intellects. A powerful story stirs the emotions of a heart and leads us. A powerful story is seared into our memory. Um, These banks store these these memories in our minds for a lifetime. But did you know this morning that a powerful story is an agent to defeat man's greatest enemy, the devil? Although it's said that we are our greatest enemy, but a powerful story we're gonna see this morning is is an ingredient along with the sacrifice and along with selfish, selflessness to defeat the enemy in our lives. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, and we're gonna look at several versions of this verse will be on the screen. The first one is uh, English standard version. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. New Living Translation. 
and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. King James Version, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Holman Christian Standard, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives in the face of death. NIV, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. New King James Version, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The message, they defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. They weren't in love with themselves, they were willing to die for Christ. If you're physically able this morning, would you stand to your feet? And I want us to read aloud It'll be on the screens. This is from the New American Standard. Let's read this verse aloud and let's, let's rock it out. Ready? And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to highlight uh, three ingredients cited in this verse for victory, for triumph. The word they is emphatic in the Greek, they and they alone. This word, this pronoun points to brothers and sisters in Christ that are cited in, in verse 10, the previous verse. They are accused um, day and night. These are believers. These are faithful saints. These are followers of God. They overcame or they conquered. This word is nikau. It's a conquering victor. This is the same word that, a similar word that Paul used in Romans 8, 8.37 when he said that we are more than conquerors, hyper nikau. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, this um, South Georgia redneck talk means um, a conqueror is somebody who gets taken to the woodshed, right? You get taken out behind the woodshed. That's not a good thing, right? This is kind of what, and we're going to see what made them a conqueror, what allowed them to take their enemy and who is their enemy that they took to the woodshed. They overcame him. The him refers to the devil, the evil one, Satan, the accuser, Verse 10 speaks of him accusing day and night. He's rigorously taking accusations on, against the believer. Satan, the devil, is the morning star um, spoken of who fell in Isaiah 14, 12. He was cast down to earth because he tried to take that which did not belong to him. He wanted to write a story that did not glorify God and God banished him from his kingdom. Satan is and was Adam and Eve's enemy at the dawn of time. He questioned God before Adam and Eve. He accused God and he misquoted God. 
His game plan today, my friends, is the same. He does the same thing. This is the same enemy, the devil, who tempted Jesus in Matthew 4. And he's the same enemy that 1 Peter 5, 8 cites as your enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your enemy, the adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This is who the enemy is. This enemy was defeated. He was conquered by the blood of the lamb. And we're gonna see that in just a second. I believe that the enemy, the reason he says he's like a lion because he's not to be mistaken as the lion. There's one lion, there's one victor and his name is Jesus Christ, the son of God. This enemy is like a lion. You know why? Because he just has a roar. That's all he has. I was in Africa one time and I heard a roar for the first time, paralyzing. I panicked, I froze. And I'm looking at my Maasai tribe warrior and I'm thinking I'm about to get to use this guy who's been trailing me and follow me around all this time. And I said, Peter Nageza, uh, was that a lion? Should we go inside? And he says, oh, no worries, pastor. No worries. He said, he's four or five miles away. <laughs> Imagine, we don't know this in our culture, but when a lion roars in the face of its prey, it's paralyzing. Ensues fear, they freeze. This is what the enemy wants to do to us. If he can conquer us, he is going to put fear in our lives that would trample and choke out our faith. That's, that's his mission. That's one of his missions, one of his goals. They overcame him, the devil, by, this is an account of or because of the blood of the lamb. This is the sacrifice. If you're taking notes, pull that note sheet out, grab your pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, and I want you to write something down right there besides sacrifice, but the blood of the lamb. This is a title for Jesus Christ, but this is so much more than that. It denotes an understanding of Christ as the true atoning sacrifice unto God. This is not the first time that the blood of the lamb was mentioned in Revelation. Revelation 1.5 mentions the blood of the lamb that frees from sin. Revelation 5.9 mentions that we are ransomed by the blood of the lamb. And Revelation 7.14 says they were washed clean, white, by the blood of the lamb. 2,000 years ago, John the Baptist announced this lamb in John 1:29, you can see an account of that. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was that sacrifice. Jesus is that sacrifice. They're, her they're heralding and overcoming the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. Prior to Jesus, Israel's sacrifice system, which was sanctioned by God, demanded the shedding of blood by a spotless sacrifice. Christ, the lamb, became that sacrifice for us. The Bible says in Isaiah 56, 3, that he laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, that spotless lamb, took my sin. This is a good story. This ought to put a smile on somebody's frowning face this morning. Yes, it's a glorious story. Romans 3, 23 says that we are sinners. 
We are all sinners. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1.21 that that sin alienates and separates us from God, but he didn't leave us there. Romans 6.23, the Bible says that the benefit or the payment for that sin is death. Sin brings death. Sin brings death and our spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, took on that death for us. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 103 verse 12, that he cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. He died for your sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, now, why didn't he say north and south? Why didn't he say my sin as far as the north from the south? Because if you take off and you head straight north, you're gonna eventually hit a pole, the north pole, right? And then what happens? If you keep going, you're gonna start heading south. The reason he said east and west is east and west never never cross. The, further, the farthest you go, as you move west, east follows you. It can never intersect and never connect. This is what the spotless lamb, the sacrifice afforded for me. And it's actuated through faith. John three sixteen says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the sacrifice that whoever believes in him will not perish. This is good news. This is a good story. Believes it will not perish, but will have eternal, everlasting, one version says, life. I came that you have life and that you have life more abundantly. Because Jesus came, because he sacrificed, I can head into my final appointment. Um, Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed for man once to die and then to face the judgment. You and I, my friend, are headed to that. We're headed to a final appointment where we draw our last breath. Maybe today, might be tomorrow. The average person lives 80 something years, but the womb from the womb to the tomb is a short stint to write our story for his glory and to live for the one who gave it all for us. The Bible says in Romans 3, 25, that the blood of the lamb, this sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God. And that's what makes it such a beautiful story is that God is satisfied, it pleased him. He said, well done, well done. And I wanna hear that one day. And the only reason I'll hear well done, good and faithful servant, when I take that final appointment, I stand before God, I'm gonna hear well done, good and faithful servant, not on my account, not because I was a good person, not because I went to Great Hills Baptist Church, not because I surrendered my life to him, to ministry, not because of any of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear well done, good and faithful servant because I have placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and that is good and that's enough for him and it satisfies a holy, awesome, incredible God. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Citing his blood here um, highlights the complete gospel of Jesus Christ, but it doesn't end there and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. This, this word here in the Greek is martyria, which is story. It's a verbal witness. Um, Dr. Morris said, redeemed, the redeemed bear their witness to the redeemer. This word witness represents a communicated evidence by which something is affirmed to be true. A powerful story uh, it paints great pictures, great imagery. 
that sticks with us, that sticks in our brain. Jesus used stories. If you read the gospels, you'll see Jesus story after story after story, parables, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Um, I wanna invite a couple of stories to the stage. We're gonna hear from Juan, Carlos and, and Courtney, if you would come on up. We're gonna hear several stories this morning um, that's gonna be really cool. So they're gonna come up. I believe that it is incumbent upon all believers to share their story. And so pastor wanted me to invite some people on the stage to share a story. So I'm gonna turn this on for you. Why don't you um, tell us who is Juan Carlos? Well, I'm Juan Carlos Reese, a grateful believer in Jesus. I'm married. My wife's name is Angelica Amandaris Reese, and we have uh, two children, a five-year-old named Ozzy and a two-year-old named Iris, and we're fostering a third child named Fernando, who's the age of seven. Now, how long have y'all been at Great Hills, Juan Carlos? Uh, since 2015. Okay. And so Juan Carlos is a Marine. Are there any Marines in the house? There are definitely not any Marines. <laughs> we would have heard them. Um, no Marines. There you go. Come on. So, thank you. That's, that's what we expect when we ask for the Marines to rec be recognized. So how did, Juan Carlos, tell us how, how did the Marine Corps and Jesus gel? How did, how did Jesus fit into your life in the Corps? Well, I, I can't speak for every Marine, but for me being in the infantry, it, it was, we rather, at least in my unit, we rather would have other people pray for us than us doing the praying since we spend day in and day out being trained to take another man's life. You know, our chaplains, our religious leaders in the military would try endlessly for us to come to church and give us the message we want to say, but it really was upon the individual to really accept Christ. Okay. And so when you were in the core uh, coming out as well, you mentioned that your family did quite a bit of suffering as a result of, of some things that you allowed to be the controlling factor in your life. Like you want to speak to that? Yes. You know, when just like any other active duty military member, it's a hard transition, leaving active duty and going back into a civilian world. And uh, I, was, I was diagnosed with something called post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. And just like the lifestyle of an infantry Marine, I was, uh, I was an alcoholic and um, I was addicted to pornography. And that transition, especially trying to be a, a, a husband that had no idea what, how to be one, a father that you know, I had no idea how to become one, and I had to somehow manage to make ends meet. And those addictions, those monstrous sins, tore my family apart, especially my wife, to uh, me committing uh, sins as getting drunk every night to the extremist sin of uh, getting caught in the act of adultery. And just to, it's a blessing just to see my wife still here with me. And rather than us divorcing, we've, uh, I, was, I was about to meet the status quo of 22 a day, which means there's 22 veterans taking their lives a day and the last minute before I, I took my life, I broke down in tears and cried and I, uh, I, I surrendered my life to Christ. Yes. And my faith, awesome. my, my, my faith got restored. My, my marriage, my wife was just waiting patiently just for, me, for her husband as God told her, wait 
your husband yeah. will return far better than what he was. Yeah, you had a praying wife for sure. Now something happened while you were overseas. You took a bullet in the chest. And how did that shape, how did God use that to shape your life in this decision? Well, uh, first of all, bullets hurt. So in case y'all didn't know that. Uh, really what it was is that it's this realization that if that bullet wouldn't went just a few more inches higher, that could have been me dead. And that, that realization was, if I would have died right then and there, would I have been saved? You know, and I, I, I want people to think just, you don't have to be in an extreme situation defending your country overseas just to think that harm won't come your way. It could be as simple as going outside and getting into a car accident. So just, if you have a moment to share this with Christ, to give your life to Christ, may that be today. So you know for sure that you can meet your maker and be in eternity with him. Well, that's awesome. We're glad that you made that decision. And I want you to tell the church about um, a program you're involved in on Wednesday night. You're involved in Transform, our renewal recovery program. So tell us yes. what that, just briefly, what that means to you. Well, in, for Transform, it's something Christ put in my heart to do Transform because I still had an alcohol problem and I had to be cleansed from it. So I've done Transform with Kobe, Greg, and the whole team, and they've done phenomenal. Where when we first started the program in January, I made a vow to quit drinking. It's over a decade of alcohol, intense alcohol drinking, and I was sober for four months. But the devil saw that. As you see, the devil continued to attack. And... Uh, through the harsh temptations, I, I end up relapsing. And the months of June and July were miserable. Like how Pastor Danny said, the most miserable person in the world is, is a Christian trying to walk away from the fellowship. And as I drank, I felt the Holy Spirit convicting me consistently. It was driving my wife, me away, and I needed to get well because I've, I lived with my father for two years and he was coming to church and he, then he witnessed his Christian son relapsing into alcohol, which started driving him away. As of August 11th, I, I felt that need, and I, I said, I'm going to surrender alcohol for good. Awesome. And I'm still clean to this day. Awesome. And uh, so, last, last, thing I will, last thing I will say is, uh, uh, Dad, if you're out here, I just want to say uh, for forgiveness for you witnessing your Christian son uh, relapsing and drinking that uh, I just uh, I pray that I spent two amazing years blessed living with you and I pray that you come back to Christ and you uh, I want to witness you surrendering your life to Christ because I want to spend an eternity with you yes uh, thank you um, Juan Carlos but before before we move to Miss Courtney um, tell us briefly about the three-strand, third-strand movement you, you shared in Connect Group. Yeah, so Anybody from your Connect Group here this morning? Yeah, a few of them out here. You shared in Connect Group a few weeks ago, and I heard a little bit about it, but just briefly tell us what, um, what's that all about. Yes, uh, the third-strand movement is based on Ecclesiastes 4.12, where one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a quarter of three strands is not so easily broken. And what it is, really, it's not just couples, but friendships friendships, that you have Jesus with you. And that what it does is it brings a boldness. Pastor Danny talks about being bold, having the grit to walk out of great hills 
And what better way of walking out and wearing something that says awesome with a cross on it. It's an awesome Jesus shirt. And it's all it is, is us going out there, just doing the activities that we normally would do as connect groups or things and just wearing a shirt yeah. like this, how powerful it can be from donating plasma and people who are donating plasma, witnessing this Christian yeah. donating plasma to us for one moment, I could just see if, if there were 500 of us wearing this shirt, going to like the domain one Saturday, not talking to anybody, but just shopping, eating yeah. food with each other. But imagine the people at the domain seeing a bunch of people wearing awesome shirts. Yeah. And that's the opportunity where they may come up to you and go, what is all this about? And there is your ministry. It's not you sharing the word of Christ. It's when they come up to you and say, what is all this about? And we've seen our connect group. The boldness is our, that, that, that couples have been going out wearing these shirts. And we have tons of outstanding stories. And anybody can get one of those shirts. I think Phil Barton is hooking everyone up that asked for a shirt. So yes. that, that strand of, of three, the Bible says, is hardly broken. And so that's discipleship and togetherness. So Ms. Courtney, would you tell us um, a little bit about your family and how did you guys wind up in um, Austin, Texas? So um, about- Courtney Whited. Yes. Good morning. About 15 years ago, um, I relocated to uh, Texas to help my sister uh, care for my mother who was um, actively passing from cancer. Um, I never anticipated or planned to stay. I always thought that I would transition back home. Um, And it didn't exactly happen that way. Uh, God had a a little different plan for, for me. And how did you hear about Great Hills? You've been at Great Hills about eight months. Yes. Tell us how, how did you get invited to Great Hills? So I have a, um, a cancer survivor sister and um, she was at work one day and Hannah Samplaski and her family walked into the tuxedo shop where she worked and simply just handed over a business card for Great Hills and wrote a little note with her name and number on it. And Judy had come home. Judy is um, from Israel and she is Jewish. She doesn't practice Christianity, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ the way we do. Um, But we have a very strong kindredship. So one day she knew I was looking for a new home, a church for the girls and I, and she gave it to me. And I kind of sat on the card for a little bit. I wasn't exactly sure what to do. And all of a sudden one morning I woke up and the Holy Ghost said, today's the day. So I got the girls ready and car just kind of drove over yeah. here and it's fit like a glove. That's ever such since. a neat thing how the Lord used a Jew to invite you yes. to be a part of our fellowship. So you're divorced, sure. a single mom, mm-hmm. cancer survivor. Tell us how those storms have brought you to where you are today, how Jesus shined through those a little bit. Um, you know, there were so many miracles in the journey of having a medical illness, but to have breast cancer, um, You know, it's an elite group I would have never chose to be in, but lo and behold, I was. Um, He had so many miracles, but the ones that I highlight the most is the fact that I'm NED, which is no evidence detected. And my girls, my family, my friends come together so much so that one day, actually over a period of time, I was unable to get up and cook, and so people were bringing in food, and it was so much food that I had to store it and share it with the widow in my cul-de-sac, with a couple who was financially struggling also across the way. And not only did he care and love for us, but this is how God works, right? He reached out to the ones that he knew he needed it. And I've always tried to stay humble because I knew that at any point in time, 
he could have changed the trajectory of my life. He could have took me and he didn't. And so by just being here and being alive and healthy, I wake up with a joy and a passion like I never had before. And that's not because of me, that's because of Christ. He knew what the plan was and he knew how to wake me up and say, this is your mission, you love people and you get out there because there's a lot we have to do. I remember meeting you for the first time and and hearing shortly after you plugged into a connect group. And just, um, won't you close your time with just sharing, you have a connect group here that you're I part do. of, they're family. The ladies over and, here. Um, and tell us what they mean to you and that, how that community ministers to you and your family. Our group, it, it's gonna be hard to get words. We're a group of mothers, single moms, who oftentimes carry that silent burden um, of having to do um, so much more um, on a daily basis and being able to fall in with them. We have a connection, but we have love for each other. And that love for each other is through Christ. It's what he's commanded us yeah. to do. And we can call each other, how are you? What do you need? How can I pray for you? Yeah. And we life together. Yeah. We awesome. have a, a thing I've kind of, I, it, we're called Team 413. So, you know, it's Philippians 413. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's kind of our just, our everyday go-to. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming up. We're going to invite a couple others, a couple, Daniel and Aaron, if you would come up. Thank you guys. Y'all give them a hand. All right. Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself and introduce your wife? My name is Daniel. This is my wife, Erin. Uh, my father, Burl, um, he's, isn't here today because it's opening season and hunting. Um, uh, we have a, a, son, a five-year-old son named Cannon and a six-month-old daughter named Clover. How long have y'all been at Great Hills? I've been coming here since 2017. My father's been coming here for about 10 years. And Aaron and I have been coming since we were married in January of 2018. Okay. And so I, you were 17, um, 17 year old teenager, and something happened that I want, us, I want the church to hear about that, that radically changed your life and um, the consequences of that. And we're, just tell us about where that landed you. Okay. Um, so when I was 14, I started experimenting with drugs. And from about 14 to 17, I, I got actively um, addicted to drugs, mainly cocaine. and. By 17, I had burned so many bridges through my drug use that I was basically homeless, uh, addicted to drugs. And um, my my parents and I moved here to Austin when I was 17. And uh, by 18, I I had committed a robbery. I had robbed a Whataburger uh, by gunpoint. And I got 15 years in prison, which I served 12 years. 12 years, 12 years in prison. Now, y'all met prior to that experience. And so, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about, I think, middle school, high yeah, school. Yeah. Didn't get married then. No, but, no, no, no. Um, uh, we met in, met in middle school. He was in band and I was in orchestra. And then um, we dated briefly in high school. Um, and actually during high school is when he moved to Texas. And um, I had heard through mutual friends that he was incarcerated. And he actually wrote me in 2010, and I didn't write back until 2015. So it took me a little bit to think about that. Um, 
And then it was, I know, ah. Then, um, but really 2017 is when we connected and um, really started um, talking and getting to know each other again. So y'all were married last year yeah. in, in January. Mm-hmm. Why don't you speak to um, your first night as, as a married couple you discovered something about your husband that you did not know. Yeah, it was our first night here in Austin. We pulled in because um, I moved here from Oregon, so we packed up all of our stuff and, and drove down here. And um, we pulled into Austin, and he had told me that we needed to go pick up his keys for his car uh, that his friend had borrowed while we were in, in Oregon. And um, we pulled up to the house, and I just felt something in my spirit, like something just wasn't right. Um, but he went in, came back out, didn't have his keys is, you know, Oh, my friend gave them to my dad. So I'll just get him tomorrow. No big deal. And then, uh, we get to the apartment and it's our first night here as a family. And, um, we go to sleep and I can only sleep for a couple hours. And I was, um, I got woken up to this, this overwhelming feeling that I needed to check our closet. And in the closet, there was a, uh, jacket and then uh, in the jacket pocket I found about three to four grams of cocaine so which obviously instantly I just thought how can this be happening I was angry I had so many questions um I I spent I don't know how it was a couple hours there before everybody else woke up and um just thinking like okay Lord this is not this is not what you wanted for us. Um, it was a really good time for me to just totally depend on him. Um, cause I knew, I knew that I was called to be Daniel's wife yeah. and, um, and that God was going to be with me. If he called me to be Daniel's wife, then I knew he'd be with me through that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. That is so, so encouraging knowing that God is with you and knowing yeah. that he knows what's best for you. And I just really commend, um, your mm-hmm. decision to fight it out. Um, and so I had a front row seat to this experience and what preceded. And one of the things that I loved about the story, and I wanted the church to hear from your perspective, how did you pray for your husband? Because um, it changed everything, this news. And so what was your prayer for Daniel during this time? Because rehab followed that. He right. chose to become clean and has been freed for how many days? Uh, 413 days today. Well, um, my first prayer, I knew, since I knew that uh, this was a calling, I knew that I was called to be Daniel's wife um, and that it was from God. So I really had to go to him first and say, okay, God, how am I to love my husband through this? Um, You're my father, you know what's best for me. Um, I know that you didn't create Daniel to just struggle with addiction and that's what our marriage is gonna look like, um, even though you know, maybe that's what society says or that's what culture would tell me. Um, but God, I know that you called, you called me to this. So help me be the loving wife that you want me to be. Um, and help me, um, yeah, just help me to support him through his recovery. And he answered those prayers. And so thank you for sharing this with us and allowing us in on your story and just really commend you guys for for hunkering down and fighting for your marriage and fighting for freedom in Christ. And Mm -hmm. so I'm really proud of you guys. Thank you. Thank you.
James Wade, um, married to Mary, three kids. Um, and how long have you been at Great Hills Baptist Church? Since 1988. 1988. So this dude gets saved in November of 1998. This church sent out a track, had the Gospel of John, reads it, gets to the end of it, and the Holy Spirit said what? Uh, there was a prayer of salvation there, and at the bottom of the prayer of salvation, there was a place to sign it and date it. And the Lord just leaned over my shoulder and said, you're going to sign that? And so I, I obeyed. Gave his life to Jesus, came to church immediately. That's, that's really cool. Memorial Day of 2017 is a story that uh, is powerful. And so uh, tell us about that and how it's changed your life. Well, we were, uh, we were having some people over and I was cooking some brisket at the house. And uh, I, uh, the brisket was going to take a while to cook. And I thought, okay, well, I'll go ahead and fit in a little gym time in the meantime. So I asked my son, Shane, if he'd like to go to the gym. And he said, yeah. So we jumped in the car and went over to the fitness center. Well, I, uh, I got up on an elliptical and he got on a uh, recumbent bike and well, we were exercising and uh, I noticed my heart rate shot up uh, really high and I said, that's not good. So I stopped to turn around to get off to let it come back down. And as I was getting off, uh, I just passed out. And uh, as I was falling, the fitness director who was there on Memorial Day, she wasn't even supposed to be there, was walking by, broke my fall, and she was on her way out the door to go home for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so she broke my fall and uh, uh, turned me over and was uh, called, uh, called 911 and noticed that there was a guy at the front door reading the hours on it. And uh, the, he was, uh, his name was Sky Ferkins and he was going to uh, come back on a day when they were open and join the gym. Well, she went over and opened the door and asked him if he would please help turn me over and everything. And he said, uh, what's going on? He says, well, this guy just passed out. And he said, well, get out of the way, I'm a fireman. And so he- So God had somebody to catch you as you fell, lower you to the floor. You at that point by witness testimony, you, you were dead. Your heart was not beating. And, and then in walks a fireman. Right, yeah, and he- uh, uh, he did, he did CPR and defib me. And the next thing I knew, I, I woke up and very unlike my nature, I, was, I had extreme peace and I was on a gurney getting in the back of an EMS uh, truck, which by the way, uh, the EMS had only been a block away eating a hamburger when they got mm -hmm. the call. Yeah. And so we uh, went down the highway and I was really actually a happy camper. I was, I was, I had, I had a lot of peace and I went to the hospital and of course uh, my wife wasn't uh, quite the happy camper yeah. when she got the call at the house and everything. But, uh, yeah, God, uh, I, as I was telling you, really all I did, my claim to fame is I just went to the uh, gym and fell down dead. That's, yeah. my, that was my claim and God did everything else. Yeah. That's, um, a, a part I highlighted, you said, all I did was show up at the gym and die. God, God did the rest, and man, what a what a beautiful what a beautiful what a beautiful story. Um, I, w I want you to I want you to mention 
what it means to you. you when we talked, you said, um, t- spoke of Philippians 3.3, 3, I, I put no confidence in the flesh. What, is, what does that phrase mean to James Wade? Well, I had falsely uh, thought my good health was going to last forever, and uh, I had a lot of confidence in my health, uh, not confidence in other areas in life, but in, in my health, and uh, that uh, was a rug that was pulled out from underneath me. But since then, uh, God has exchanged my confidence in my flesh for confidence in Him, which sounds wonderful, except it's, a pretty, it's been a pretty arduous uh, transition. But uh, he's, he's taught me uh, the word confidence has the root word confide, and he's told me to, uh, showed me how to confide and abide in him Amen. on a moment-by-moment moment basis. Man, so. thank you so much. What a story. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Last but not least, Clay Skipworth. Who is Clay? So I'm from Tennessee, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and... Um, Grew up there my whole life. I uh, lived in Kentucky for a couple years through college, but um, I was a personal trainer uh, in 2017. I just started my own business and was into this project of mine for about a year now. Um, and God really just began to stir in my heart to, to go. Just, just to get out of uh, the city I grew up in. And I didn't really have a clear answer on where he, he wasn't he didn't say go to Austin Texas uh, he just kind of said he said go um, and so I decided to just pack up my stuff and start traveling which I love to do uh, but for about a year and a half journey I went to several different places um, to to see if I would like to live in a different city but also to see where God uh, was leading me and I went all around the country actually to uh, California and St. Louis and back to Nashville and to f- a couple different parts of Florida. Um, and I loved traveling to those different places, but I never really felt at home uh, until I began to plan the move to Austin. And that was kind of the next city that I wanted to visit. And I can say that before I even got here, I felt this peace and I started to be encouraged. And other people in my life even began to tell me, you're going to love Austin. There's a good chance you're going to stay there for the rest of your life before I even got there. Um, and ever since I got here, things just began to fall into place so effortlessly, like it was just meant for this was where I was meant to be. And you've been here eight months. Um, no one invited you to Great Hills. You, you found Great Hills. You came. Tell us about um, your first visit to Great Hills. Yeah, so my first visit, um, it, from the moment I walked in the door, uh, just so many different people greeted me, almost like they were expecting me. Like you're here, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So even that leaves a big impact on somebody. I mean, I was greeted several times before I even got here. But um, Danny's passion and the way he preaches really stood out to me. You could tell he was just so genuine and passionate about people knowing Christ. And even um, something that he said during that sermon really stood out to me that I knew. God was working in this church and was doing really big things here. And if, if he's here, that's where I want to be. That's awesome. So you came, um, responded to a call to come. You, you moved, came to Austin, visited a church, felt the Lord's call in here, immediately joined. And you are now, um, you've started a home group along with Hannah Legler. Um, and it's full. Um, and also, um, 
or the, the director of Young Adult Singles, why don't you tell us about what are you seeing, just briefly, what are you seeing God do um, in these areas? Yeah, um, it, it, he is doing really incredible things, and, and I've never been a group leader or, or a leader in the church or anything like that. Um, and in our home group, I've seen uh, people just opening their hearts and sharing things that they don't just normally share with people. And uh, just in a couple months, the size of that group has doubled to its capacity. Um, when we started out with just four people for a couple weeks, we were praying for God to just lead the right people to us. And he answered that prayer. And uh, now the group is full and uh, we're really becoming tight with each other and building some awesome relationships. And uh, people are opening up their hearts and just uh, growing closer to the Lord. And uh, as director of the Young Adult Singles class, um, I've seen that, you know, my first couple of weeks here, there were maybe six to 10 people coming regularly. And um, now uh, we're, we have class up in the waffle shop and the room is full. And I'm noticing that um, new people are being led by the Holy Spirit to just come check out uh, Great Hills Baptist Church. And they're uh, giving their life to Christ and old um, people who used to come but stopped coming yeah. are now joining back into the group. And uh, we've um, had a social team come together and begin to put together social events for us to really grow as a class and really build those relationships and do life together, which is just really exciting. It's awesome to see God do this. Thanks for sharing your stories, guys, and sharing that with us. And so I want to, um, let's give them a hand. I want to wrap up with the last point as we um, close our time out this morning. They overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their story or their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. And we have to hit this last point and it's selflessness. It's not about us. Oftentimes we think the story is about us and it's not. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about you. Now turn back and say, it's not about you either. We need to hear this. The story of our lives is written for the Lord and it's written by the Lord and it is to bring glory and it is to bring honor to him. They love not their lives, even unto death speaks to the devotion of a testifying conqueror. It's selflessness and it's birthed out of knowing God, knowing Him, knowing who we are. We find this in His Word. That's why Christians need to read and study the Word of God and find biblical truth and counteract the heresies that the world throws at us from every angle. Douglas Bookman said, there is more at stake here than an intrinsic worth of His sovereign person we are to consciously and publicly parade his majestic realities. That is what we have seen this morning. We have seen God honored, God glorified as we look at the gospel, the sacrifice, as we listen to stories of how God is moving in our wonderful church. And guys, we could stand here all day long and walk people across this stage. This room is filled with stories. There are stories online, people watching all over the world with powerful stories. But I wanted to close out our time with a thought, with an idea and a question. If you were to write your story on a piece of cardboard like this, what would it say?
Chances are um, that's not gonna happen this week. You're not gonna walk around with a piece of cardboard. But we are, as Christians, called to move through this world testifying of who he is. And before we pray in just a moment and enter into a time of invitation, I would love for you to make a decision today and to ponder your heart and ask the Lord, Lord, what is, what is the story that you have given me? What has he written on your heart? Many chose this morning to walk across the stage with a story, but um, many, have, many chose to not received an email and said, click, no, I'm not going to tell my story. We are called to share a story. We are called to walk out. And, and this is one of the easiest stages to walk across with a Jesus story. It's not in front of a crowd that's going to boo you. Nobody's going to throw rotten tomatoes at you, we hope. But as we walk out of this, this, this room and leave this campus, is the story that God has written exciting enough for us to herald it to the world? Or are we walking through like this? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the gospel, Jesus, the story of the gospel and the word of their story. And the reason we often won't share the word of our story is because of selfishness. Isaiah 48 speaks of this. God said, you've robbed me of my glory. Taken a story and, and hid it and said, no, I'm, I'm not gonna show that. I'm not gonna herald that in front of the world. Would you make a decision this morning to, to, to allow your life to be a billboard for his glory? Maybe this morning you're here and, and, and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. No one's born a Christian. We're gonna pray in just a moment and this altar is gonna open. There's nothing magical about these stairs, okay? But what is powerful is the Holy Spirit. If he's moving in your heart, would you give him your yes this morning? Have you heard Jesus Christ loves you and loves you too much to leave you where you're at? He's a beautiful savior. And as Daniel testified a moment ago, it doesn't matter that you've been a member of Great Hills Baptist Church. He was a member here for a long time before he surrendered his life to Jesus. He was a fake and a fraud. Jesus got a hold of his life. And the common theme about those that sat and shared their story or walked across this stage is that they've, they chose to not sit on a story of a changed life. What's your choice this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm gonna pray for us. And I wanna invite you, if you are hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you, if he's knocking on your heart's door, if he's moving in you, would you give him your yes? That's what he wants. He wants surrender. Would you selflessly say, here am I, Lord. And just in the quietness of your heart, let go of sin and self and let God transform what he created to be this, he created us to, 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 to be enthroned on our lives and he desires and longs for full surrender. And so would you give your life to him this morning? Whatever that looks like. There are gonna be ministers, there are gonna be counselors up front. We would love to hear how God is working with you. We would love to link up with you and pray with you. 
Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do this in our lives. Lord, here we are. Lord, without your word, without the Holy Spirit, this bread of life we have is, is really, it's powerful. But you somehow chose to use people to proclaim it. And I'm just really in awe of Courtney's story that you would use a non-Christian to invite a person to Great Hills Baptist Church. What a, what a crazy thing. God, you're so powerful that you would call a, a country boy from, from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, to a place that he doesn't know uh, without any connections, without a, without a local job, without, and that he would just move and come because the Lord said go. Lord, that you would call an inmate that you would, you would speak to a husband, that you would call a wife to love her husband selflessly, not ducking out and bowing down and running, but that you would move in her heart to stand for, with you to, the, to be faithful to a calling to love her husband. Lord, so many powerful things, so many powerful stories this morning for your glory, for your honor, but you're not done writing this morning. I think there's somebody here in this room, God, that you're, you're tapping on their shoulder and you're saying, it's you. It's time. Are you going to sign the line? Are you going to do what I call James Wade to do and give your life to me? And you have a choice this morning to give him your yes or to say no. Everybody says yes or everybody says no this morning. God, would you sear in our hearts? Would you call us to a place of surrender. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that needs to rededicate or to walk away from a bondage or sin and self that has so just taken over their life and, and dethroned that place in their heart and ask you to take a full residence this morning. I pray it be. Lord, this is your time. We are your people. Do what you will. We surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and obey the Lord, do as he calls.